Um, I want you to, to look in the Psalms with me, and we are, uh, this is the, the last message in my hurry up life. And you say, Greg, that just describes me, my hurry up life. How many messages can you, can you give, and I thought about this, how many messages, Pastor Greg, can you give on, on patience? And uh, there's a lot. And uh, I, matter of fact, I'm just simply wanting to title this one, Wait Time. Wait Time. Um, we are conditioned to, to, to hurry up with life and to live, aren't we? We're conditioned with that. Uh, to hurry up with life and to, to live. We want to get on with purpose. There's a story I heard of three men who were in the waiting room of the hospital waiting for their wives to give birth. And they were there and they were anxious. The nurse comes out and she calls the, the man. She said, sir, she said, uh, she said, I've got great news. Your wife just had babies. And he said, plural babies? Yeah, twins. <laughs> and he just kind of smiled. He said, that's so ironic. He said, I, I work for Double Mint Chewing Gum Company. Second guy, second guy was waiting. He was anxious too. And nurse comes out smiling and grinning and says, Sir, I, you won't believe this, but you are the father of triplets. And he went, oh, my. And he th thinks for a minute. How ironic. He said, I work for 3M Company. And by this time, the, the third guy was getting really antsy so he's pacing the floor the nurse comes out and this forlorn look on his face he runs out the door and she says sir what were you going he said listen i work for seven up <laughs> so so yeah he wasn't ready for seven children um do you like you like to wait anybody here like to wait oh oh great the altars are going to be full this morning i mean w waiting Wait, wait, waiting. I mean, we detest waiting. I, I'd like to tell you that I'm so godly that I, that I could wait. It, but there's just sometimes that I, I struggle with that. And, and why is it? Well, wait time feels a lot like time wasted, doesn't it? And we've got all kinds of sayings. We have, you know, time equals money. Right? You heard that one? Time equals money. And, and, and wait time just, just feels like, like a waste of time. We, we find ourselves kind of getting idle and bored with wait time. Uh, and the first thing that you will go for now, thank God for phones, right? Because when you get bored, you can, or when, when boredom kind of sits in, you can kind of go to your phone. It's kind of the go-to. You can now occupy your mind with, with, uh, with, with something, with with, with things because you get bored and we get bored really easy because we're conditioned for things to be going because we got a life to live and you know that and and, and how how dare life to to throw us curveballs that we or or make make us sit you know make us sit on the bench and wait to play you know I, I waited for two years I waited on the Lord and then the coach and never did get in the game <laughs> And uh, uh, I got in one or two games, but um, yeah, for only a short period of time. They put me in right field, by the way. That's the most least, you know, that, that's where you could 
you know, you wouldn't have to worry. They say, okay, Greg will be okay in right field. He'll be all right in right field. So, you know, you, you think about waiting, 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 waiting. And I want to give you some statistics. You'll love these. These will bless you. Um, CDC did a, a study that said the average ER wait time is 30 minutes and 90 minutes in the exam room with roughly two hours in ER. And I notice now that, that even marketers have got onto this. You know, they'll, they will announce their wait times, you know, the times that you can wait. Why? Because, well, time's a priority. And, and part of you are sitting here this morning. You say, Greg, you know, just go ahead and get to the point. Don't get to all this. You know, just, just, just go ahead and get to it. I mean, don't waste your time. Don't waste my time with trivialities. I, just get to it and get to the get to it and and get down to what you're wanting to say. And and but I got an introduction to do. Okay, take thank you. Somebody said take my time. I'll do that. Um, think about this. The oil changes take an average of twenty minutes. You know, twenty minutes for an oil chain. One of the major Fast food chains uh, was calculating their drive-through times, you know. Get this. And it's, they're a little slower now. It's in, it was uh, in 2016, it was 208.16. They got it down to the kind of milliseconds. 208.16 um, seconds. That's a little under, a little over three minutes in drive-through to get your food right and that's too slow uh there were matter of fact I, i'm gonna now is the time for confession okay we're just, i'm just gonna see if this this statistic holds out true for you and for for our congregation they the, matter of fact grocery stores that do these marketers they have marketing groups come in consulting wait times and they say that 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 shoppers today have a, are, are wanting things very fast and convenient and easy. According to one report, 70% of shoppers have abandoned their shopping trips while they have their buggies full. Has anybody ever done that? Oh, one, two, three, okay. okay. Y'all are slowly confessing. Um, the, the top reason is for long lines. Long lines in is a reason for... Uh, abandoning the trip you know you just don't have time to wait and so you you do that see what you know waste wait time feels a lot like time wasted in the human experience but is it is it our perception of time could that be it well i, I think i think that has a lot to do with it you see most of us have the perception that we're in the fast lane of life and life is passing us by, therefore we have conditions like fear of missing out on something. And it's a condition, they call it. It's a fear of missing out on something. Why? Because life is speeding by and, and it's passing us by. Right? And so I don't want wait time. Can you imagine, can you imagine our, our hurry-up life has, has conditioned us has con has conditioned us to to really to be mindless 
Now, how, how many of us here, and I'm just going to, this is, uh, how, many of, how many of you here have saying, you know what, I've got so much going on in my mind, and you end up forgetting something? Huh? And you're kind of worried, and your spouse is worried about you, you know, you're not thinking right. Uh, or you can't think, and you're forgetful, and maybe it's not forgetful as, as more as it is not being mindful. Think about it. There's a, there's a difference between being forgetful and being mindful. Being forgetful and mindful is two two different things. So how do you how do you how do you recondition your thinking and your life? And think about it. I, I'll be honest with you. This is why a lot of times, and I think maybe people just get. How can I say this? I don't know when it when it comes to spiritual life. We get kind of disillusioned with God. Because God seems to work on slow time. Have you noticed that? I have. God seems to not get in a hurry when I ask my I have my prayers. And I I, I am in, in inevitably realizing that life is going at breakneck speed and I'm in the fast lane of life and I'm praying and God is working in the slow lane. And I find myself sometimes frustrated not only with those around me, but sometimes frustrated with God. You say, can you confess that? Well, that's a part of growing Matter of fact, the Bible teaches a lot about this, about this idea of waiting on God. Now, this is not this is not a real, you know, this this is really, I'll just be honest, this is not a real popular kind of message on waiting on God because we like everything now. Don't we? Sure. That's my it's our conditioning. Matter of fact, one study about the listen. You think it's just with our generation? No, it was before I was born. There was one. There was one hotel chain uh, that found out that it had long lines, and people were complaining that the elevator was slow. They worked on it, worked on it, couldn't do anything with it, couldn't get the elevator to go faster, and all these complaints coming in from customers. And they hired a consultant, and the consultant said, "You know what you need to do?" He said, "We can't make these elevators go faster." But this was the day before you could check your cell phone. He said, but put mirrors up. It's brilliant. Who do you look at in the mirror? Huh? I mean, y'all ain't really, y'all, y'all, get this. If, if somebody puts a picture out, and you're looking at a picture, and you're in that picture, who's the first person you look at? Who? It's yourself, right? I do it. You do it too, right? You're just not going to confess to nothing this morning. <laughs> and I know it. So I've got a hard, I've got a hard sell this morning. I, I get it. But, but, and it was brilliant. All of a sudden, the complaints quit. And people, I can imagine people are coming up to the mirror, and they're going... You know, you know, you know how you do when you look in the mirror, and and you know that, that that was brilliant. It was brilliant. Why? Because we get bored easy, especially when we're conditioned for the hurry up life. Now, 
You see, a hurry-up lifestyle is conditioned toward mindlessness rather than mindfulness. Put that one up. There is a story of, a, of, a, of another research that's gone on. You say, Greg, this is the longest introduction in the world. You just wait till we get to point one. Okay. There was one research study that, that uh, teachers and they recognized that one of the things in teaching that in your teaching method that if you ask a question, if you immediately go for answers or calling on people, then it kind of shuts everything down. But they said if you would wait three seconds that people, you know, the class would open up and begin to answer the question. This is what research has pointed out. And then if you wait another seven seconds to ten, you have to deal with something. It is an increasingly awkwardness with silence. Now, we live in a noisy world. And it's difficult to sit silently sometimes. Have you ever tried it? I mean, turn your phone off or don't check your phone. And to sit silently and to think. Now, here's what inevitably happens when you do this. Inevitably, what happens to me when I, when I have a carved out time of silence and I'm just sitting before the Lord or I'm thinking and I, I've got this, inevitably what comes to my mind is all the things that I'm missing out on and all the things that I need to be doing. Anybody here? And, and again, it feels like that if you do this, that you're wasting time. Because remember, we have been conditioned and we are conditioning ourse ourselves and our culture, technologies, all this. We, we're conditioned to not have time wasted because a wait time feels like time that is wasted. There's a lot of folks that say today, I, I would go to church, but I, I just don't want to waste my time. I don't, I don't want to waste my time. Now, I'm thinking, you know, you don't, it's, it's our perception of time. So silence, and what they found out, when you get past the awkwardness of silence, you actually begin to open up your mind and thinking. You become more mindful. You, you think more. You, you, begin to, you begin to think more, and then you get down to the depths of the soul, and that's where God can minister to you. That's, that's where it's at. So, you know, you're thinking that you're running on empty. Well, you are, more than likely, because you're in the fast lane of life. Your mind's got all these things it's going to, and you have very little time for the soul and your own soul care. Now, people tell you all the time, you, never, you need to take care of yourself. But, but it's, it's very, very difficult to do because your life is very important and you've got a lot of things to do and you've got to get it done now, right? Silence. So I want to give you, I want to give you something that G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, waiting, waiting on God is, he, he, he said it like this. He said, waiting for God is not laziness. 
He said, waiting for God is not going to sleep. Go ahead and put this up. Waiting for God means first activity under command, under the command of God. Um, and second, readiness for any new command that may come in. Go ahead and go to the next one. Third, the ability to do nothing until that command is given. Did I not put that in there? I did not. Sorry about that. Um, if hurry always empties the soul, then patiently waiting for the Lord or on the Lord ultimately satisfies and strengthens the soul. That's the big idea. Now, if you look at Psalm chapter uh, 37 and you look down at verse 7, I just want to look at one verse. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. One verse today. Now, this should ought to be this ought to be easy over lunch. When when the when the question goes around, well, what did the pastor have to say today? He, the pastor said to be still in the presence of the Lord and to wait patiently for God to act. There it is. Wait time. I, I mean, I see why people kind of oftentimes, again, oftentimes, you know, this, this lifestyle doesn't fit in with our culture. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. This idea of silence, this idea of Allowing God to speak to your heart. This and God, listen, I'm going to preach now. God is way more likely, and is oftentimes speaking more often to our hearts than we are even aware of. Matter of fact, He is speaking more than you are to Him. You say, "How do you know that, Greg?" Because Jesus said it this way. He said, I am standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if any man will open the door, woman, open the door, he said, I will come in and I will sit down and we'll, we'll fellowship together. We will have communion together. We'll share together. There will be communication. There will be fellowship. Now, I've, I've noticed this to be true in my own life because, let's face it, you can get busy with ministry because ministry deals with a lot of surface-level things. You've got things to prepare for. You've got people to talk with or you've got all kinds of things. And I've noticed this. There are times in my life that I'm rushing around doing a lot of good things but and, and I am not hearing from God. Let me tell you when God kind of speaks to me. God kind of speaks to me at the most inopportune times, like at four in the morning. And I'm thinking, God, can you just wake me up for about six? And you know what I found out? I found out that it is that time, oftentimes, that my mind has finally been freed of all the things, the rush of the day. And all of a sudden, my soul is opened up to, to commune with God. 
So we're just not quiet enough. Yeah, it's noisy. It's just noisy around you. And, and I know you, you will say this because if you get too quiet here today, you'll be asleep. Right? I get it. I get it. So hurry empties the soul, but patiently waiting on God ultimately will satisfy and strengthens the soul. And I want to give you four little things that you can kind of build into your life. Say four, 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 four things that relate to how you can strengthen your inner life. See, some of you are going, you're running on empty. You're saying, I just don't know how I can do it. I, I feel so weak emotionally, or I feel so weak physically, or I even feel so weak uh, spiritually. I just can't do it. Well, here's how. You don't do it in the fast life doing more. That's like the disciples in the boat and the storm comes along. And what do they do? They row that much harder. And guess where they get? Absolutely no, nowhere until Jesus comes walking on the water and he says, peace be still. Jesus was teaching them something. He's saying, you need to learn to wait on God. Wait on me. To act. So there, there's, there's four things. And if you could imagine up here, it's big heart. This is kind of big heart. And, and, and around, around this heart is this circle. And around the four corners of this circle, there's, there's these four little things. If, you're, if you like, are you seeing this in your mind? Yeah, the four corners of a circle. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, yeah, that does it. Yeah. Yes, doctor, surgeon. Right? right, But yeah, think of four corners, okay? And if you need it to be a square, for, for you folks that like symmetry, do that. But I prefer circles, okay? I do. I prefer, I'm sorry, Matthew. I prefer circles, right? I do. So you got your heart, and then you got this circle around it, and in the four corners of the circle, you've got these four words, okay? Because here they are, they all, they all start with A. We don't even get past the first letter of the alphabet. They all start with A, and you begin to begin to, to kind of integrate these in, in your thought, in your daily life, in your living. Then you, what you will find is you will find that there will be an inner tranquility that will begin to, to, to seep over your soul. It'll be like, uh, it'll, it'll be like uh, that cold winter evening when it's snowing outside and... and, and and, and you throw that extra warm blanket, and you get in that real cozy spot, and it's just nice. You ever been there? Well, there's a, there is that spiritually. And most of us need that. So notice what he says. He says, be still. In other words, there has to be, a, a, there has to be some moments of holy hush in your life where you are not doing anything I said it My, you all ought to have went up in a collective shout when I said that <laughs> right where you're not doing now you say but wait a minute Greg my life's busy, my, my life's important, and I have purpose, and I want to get to it, and I want to do it I want to, I'd rather burn out for God than rust out for the devil, I've heard people say that okay <laughs> Well, let me just let me just kind of inform you on something. Out is out. Okay. Whether it's burnout or rust out, out is out. You get it. 
So, matter of fact, when I say we need to do these four things, it might be better to say we, better, we need to be these four things. That may be a better way of putting it. So, be still, he said, and wait on the Lord. And again, I know the things are going up in your mind, and you're, you're having an internal conversation as I'm preaching this. And how do you know? Because I have it too. I, I, I know the tension. And I'm talking about this stuff, and I'm trying to live this stuff. It's tough. The first one. I would put it over in the corner. Abide. Abiding. Abiding in Christ's presence through stillness and silence. How many farmers we have here? <laughs> Nobody. Okay. Nobody. Anybody here kind of raise anything at all? Okay. Oh, okay. I, oh, I thought so. I mean, um, I, I appreciate the squash and the zucchini back a few months back. Um, yeah, you, you plant the seed. Now, you don't go out there and plant that seed and say, okay, grow. Do you? No. No, you don't do that. You, know, you give it time and you wait on it and you know that photosynthesis takes place and the warmth and the, and the seed will germinate, burst open, and eventually in the Fall will come, you'll have a harvest. You'll have, you'll have something that will be produced from that. Abiding, Jesus said it this way. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. You want to figure out the secret of the Christian life? It's this. It's abiding in Christ's presence through stillness and silence. You say, you think that if you went to church every night of the week that you'd be more godly. Maybe not. No, you, you, may, you may be filling your life up with religious or, or activities, but you may not be more godly. Now, what gets you more godly is when you have time with the Master. And Jesus did this. I mean, you look at his life, and it, that's what he did. Jesus would be ministering to a crowd of people, and all of a sudden somebody would say, where in the world did he go? And Jesus is scurrying up a hillside. Where is he going? He's going to be alone with the Father. So what would it look like? Now, I know this is difficult. I'm thinking if, if you're a young parent here, you're, saying, yeah, you're just kind of laughing as I'm preaching this. Like, yeah, right, that would be a nice. You know, especially if you've got a small child, like a three- or four-month-old, you know. Uh, it's tough, isn't it? How do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? But in abiding in the presence of Christ in stillness and in silence, does that sound just kind of like, what does that mean? Well, it means get along with God. That means find you a quiet place, no distractions, and in stillness say, God, I'm here. Your servant is listening. How do you know that this, this is how God speaks, by the way. I'm not talking about audible voices. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about how, how you, kind of, you kind of get over the stuff that's covered up your heart and the ears that are spiritual. And you, you kind of clean them off. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden the stillness and the quiet. And here's the thing that you have to deal with inevitably when you go there. This is why we don't go there. It's just too awkward. 
We have to deal with our sin. If there's sin, if there's something in the way of our, our relationship with God, you, you, all of a sudden that thing comes to, to light and you have to deal with it and you have to bring it to God. Or you just cover it over and pretend it doesn't exist. Most, many, some, I don't know, would prefer just to cover it over and go on with I'm fine. And yet what happens is the hurry-up life produces us to live on surface-level living, just surface. We don't ever get down to deep things, not even with God, not even in other relationships. Why? Because it's too painful. It, it, we have to deal with ourselves. We have to deal with our own sin. We have to deal with, with our own inconsistencies. We have to deal with our own hypocrisies. At times we have to deal with ourselves. And sometimes it's just easier just to numb yourself over just to deal with surface activities rather than dealing with our soul. But God will meet you there. He does. He, he, he will meet you in the depth of your soul. And, and He's not going to be surprised by what you tell Him or what you're thinking. Or He's not surprised by it. I mean, there, there's not a, and he doesn't reject you in it either. You say, how can that be? Well, you don't know love until you know him. I, I mean, he knows, he knows all the intimate intricacies, the details of your heart. And Jesus said it like this. He said, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you'll abide in me. Well, that is an ongoing, not only relationship, but an ongoing fellowship with God. And I'll tell you, life will crowd it out. There'll be too many ball games planned, too many church activities, too many family activities, too many work responsibilities and all of it. And, and, and all of it you get pats on the back for doing. And all of a sudden, your soul is dying on the inside. How do you know? I've been there. You, you have to take time for your soul care. Nope, your husband can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. Your, your parents can't do it for you. You have to take time for your own soul care. You do. And it's abiding in His presence. In stillness and in silence. If it's just a minute or two minutes or three minutes a day, do it. Say, Lord, I'm here. You remember a story in the Old Testament. Eli was a priest and he had two sons that were just scoundrels. He didn't discipline them and they, you know, they, they had made a mockery of temple activities and spirituality and everything. Nobody had a whole lot of respect. And there was a young Samuel. Who was, who was spending time in the temple. And Eli was there, and Eli was the priest. And Samuel would get up and say to, uh, he, he would hear a voice. Samuel, Samuel. He would go to Eli's room and say, are you calling me? No, I'm not calling you. He did this like four times. And Eli was perceptive enough that it must have been God speaking to Samuel, but it was in the silence of the night, by the way, that God was speaking to Samuel. Samuel just gave him some wise advice. Matter of fact, this is good. You can try this. Here am I, Lord. Your servant is listening. 
Your servant's listening. I'm hearing. I, I'm not asking. I'm just listening. How, how are you doing listening to God? How are you doing? Listening. It happens with the body. Daily. Moments of time that you recollect your mind and your heart. Get your mind back focused on things of God. Matter of fact, uh, quite frankly, I, I kind of enjoy when the lines get long. I learn a lot. Now, I deal with people all the time. No different if you're standing in a line. First of all, the cashier's waiting for you to, to complain. And they usually they say, I'm sorry. I say, it's all right. It's just time. They kind of look at you like, what planet did you fall from? I get conversations. I've talked to some folks standing in line about real life issues. That unless you have a forced slowdown, you don't ever talk about. I mean, God shows up in those lines. Did you know that? And you're not aware of it if you're on the fast lane, but it's when you have the abiding life that you recognize that these slowdowns, are, these wait times are God-ordained. Oh, He's there. Powerfully. Mightily. I've had some great Jesus conversations waiting in line. How about you? Or do you go into your local store and say, I just hope I don't see anybody to talk to. i got to get. God's watching you. <laughs> okay. And you duck through the aisles. <laughs> oh, Lord, I hope I don't see anybody I know today. Because you got that to-do list. Hey, you have Thanksgiving dinner. And you know they always depend on you for the dressing. Right? Seriously. So, I mean, you, you feel the tension? That's it. There you go. So, abiding, number two. So, that's in the first circle, right up here. Now, th notice these, are, these things are doing surrounding this, this circle that's got four corners to it. It's surrounding your heart. So, the first one is abiding. The second one is this. Now, get this one. You got to get this one. You get this one, and you understand the power of prayer. Okay? Here's number two. You ready for it? It's aligning your heart's desires and delights and hopes in His presence. In other words, you're coming to God and you're saying, God, I want to align my prayers with your heart and your desires and your hopes. And let me tell you, every time that you do that, you will pray in the will of God. There's been some things that I've prayed about that I'm thinking, man, God, I am so glad you didn't answer the prayer the way I thought you ought to have. Anybody here ever done that? I mean, my, my mind and my... God's, God's, got a, God's got it way better than you do. Way better. So you align your heart, your heart's desires, your, your hopes, your desires 
and your dreams, you align all of that up with his presence. In other words, it, it happens something like this. As, as you align your heart, you, you, you kind of get your heart, um, you kind of get your heart in a, in a place where you're in his word. And you're saying, God, I want your heart. I want your desires. Here's something you can do. Hmm. Have you ever been praying about something? And just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And it seems like it's, it's prayed and God's not answered it. And God's been silent. And, you know, where is God? And you're frustrated. And God, you know, God's not answered. Here, here is something you can do. Anybody here? Let me just ask you first of all. Has that ever happened to anybody here? Again, just a handful of you. Well, for the handful of us, here's something you can do in your prayer. You can say, God, um, help me to pray right about this. In other words, I don't know what your will is. Here's what I would like. And I, I go to God sometimes and I talk to God just like this. I say, Lord, here's what I want. I don't know if it's in your will. I don't, you know, there's some things that are just blatantly wrong. You know we're wrong. You don't have to have, you don't even have to ask God about it, okay? If it's wrong, if it's not in God's word, then don't, don't. You know better. But, I mean, I'm talking about some of these things in your life where you're trying to figure out direction, guidance, and so forth. Um, you, you begin to say, okay, God, you frame my prayers for me. You, you, you frame it and, and help me and teach me how to pray about this. I need help from you in praying with this the way you see it. God, God will encourage you. All of a sudden you're saying, God, I'm, I'm not coming to you with how to fix it because I know how to fix it. Right? You get intent. I know how to fix it. You tell everybody else how to fix it. And you're telling God how to fix it. And God's on slow time. <laughs> and you're thinking, uh, is, it, is it okay? Is it all right? And, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're saying, okay, God, form my prayer. And, uh, and you take a big, deep breath because you need one. And you say, I'm waiting on you to act. Aligning your heart's desire. It takes time. It takes, it takes time to, I mean, this is something that, that takes, it takes time. It takes, and this is, listen, this is the soul work that, you know, you think it's not just doing nothing. It is actually, it's, it's doing the deep work on the inside. Listen, that'll get your heart right to receive the blessing that God wants to bless you with. Otherwise, you'll mess it up. Now, that's truth. You see, your heart has to be, you, some things you want God to bless you with, you ain't ready for it. Some of y'all have been praying to win the lottery or win a million dollars. You just go out and blow it. Right? You'd have people that come out, come out, of, out of the woodwork to be your, that would be your relatives. Right? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't handle it. I mean, it's just, your heart has to be in, what I'm saying is this, your heart has to be in a certain place to receive what God, you know, thank God that he's withholding some things from you. And it's, it's not time. Just, it's not time yet. So you got these things, you got it's abiding over here in one corner of your circle, you got alignment here.
Here's the third one. You ready? Then ask. The third one is this. Go ahead and go to the third one here. Ask. Just keep going. Oh, I see it. Sorry. Earnestly, earnestly ask God for God's will to be done. Now, this is the hard one in his time. That's the hard one. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer with you and eagerly watch. Psalm 130, verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. There is the watchman who would do the work of the temple at night to make sure the fires were burning in the temple. But as the watchman waits for the morning and they would begin their daily sacrifice. Earnestly ask God. You say to God, that's what prayer is. He knows the desires of your heart. You've asked him to align your heart. You've, You've abided in him. You're abiding in him. You're asking in for God's will to be done in his time. Even if you've not been praying for it for 25 years, it's not, you know, you you that's that's when they get answered, right? You say, Oh, I hope God's faster than that. Um, well, he is sometimes. You know, God's God's waiting. God's into building character. He's in building communion, he's in building character, he does this internal stuff that we're afraid of. It's just, honestly, it's just easier just to come and just do the, the, the church thing and go and leave and do your, and you know, and you mark this one off and you just say, and you hope when you get there that you've marked off enough Sundays that God's going to be proud of you. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. It's the depth of the soul. So earnestly ask God. So you know, you given he's given the desires of your heart. He knows. He knows your, your desires for family. He knows your his your desire his your desires for your children. He knows your desires for your own life, your career, your goals. He knows your he knows those. Matter of fact, when they've originated with him, they're good things. But they're the best when they're in his timing. Here's the last one. So you earnestly ask God. So all of a sudden you got you got you got your four corners. Your, what, your first one over here is what? Say it. Buying a second one is, and the third one down here is, and here's the last one. This is the one that you need because some of you are very very weak. You feel it. What I'm saying. You're feeling weak. Here here's the last one. Just go go ahead to the last one and it's this one. It, it's you. You got to anchor your courage. So you, you got to anchor your heart down. And what is your heart anchored in? Not in your circumstances. Your heart is anchored in your character, in your relationship with God. So here's how it works. Wait for the Lord. He says, be strong and let, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait, on, wait for the Lord. What did, what did, listen, think about it. What did Moses do when he was standing in front of the Red Sea? What did God tell him? Well, I mean, I mean, literally, they had their back up against the wall. They didn't have no place to go. And Pharaoh's armies coming, they could see the dust from the chariot and the sands, and they were there in this in this little narrow valley here, and and they were at the Red Sea, and uh, 
God tells Moses, stand still. I could imagine Moses taking his stick and going here and beating on the water and trying to get it. That's what we would do. Right? Make some waves, you know. There's two million of them. We could, you know, they could have had a, got a committee together and said, you know, if we all get down at the edge of the creek and we get at the edge of the Red Sea and we all blow hard enough, maybe, you know, you get 2,000 people, maybe it'll part the waters, right? No, you can't do that with a deep breath, even with 2,000 people, right? So, stand still and do what? See the salvation. Stand still and see the salvation. Some of you are in places like that. Where, where it's got to be God. And it's a horrible place. It's, it's, it feels horrible when, you, when you're there. But, but it's a place where you can see God at work. Everything you do, your best plans, all the things that you, you've, you thought were planned would work and they don't. And, and all of a sudden, you find yourself frustrated with God and people around you and everybody. And yourself and... and, and and but waiting on God, waiting on God. You anchor your courage for today and your hope in the future. Go to the next slide, and we're gonna close with this one. Go ahead. Da, da, da. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. What you find is strength and endurance. Strength and endurance. May God direct your hearts into the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. See, what God builds in us is He builds in us endurance, steadfastness. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, think about it. Our heart is surrounded. Our heart is surrounded with who? We're anchored in Christ. We're abiding in Him. We're we are aligning our hearts with his desires and purposes. We are, we're all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you see this, it's kind of like these, these points of reference in our heart that, that anchor us down into the eternal because we belong totally, thoroughly, completely to God. Everything. 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 Our future, our hope, our careers, our families, our homes, our cars, even if you're driving on faith and fabric, right? Our children. Where is it at? It's in something that we're not conditioned for. You will have to be deliberate. You will have to be thoroughly deliberate in saying, this is the soul care my soul needs. And what you'll find is, God will meet you there. Matter of fact, what you'll find is, He's been there all the time. What you'll find is, you're hearing a faint knock at the door. And it'll get louder. And you'll go to the door and you'll check it. And there's Jesus. 
And what you'll find is not condemnation. You'll find Jesus saying, I've been waiting all the time. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for doing the depth of work in our hearts through your Spirit. And as we pause today, Holy Spirit, I'm confident that you are speaking. into the depths of our hearts and our spirits. To draw us into deeper intimacy with Christ. To draw us in stillness. To know you. To love you. And to fellowship with you. Today, Lord, may be a day that some things just gets cleared off of our heart and we get back to the very foundation. What it means to be in relationship and fellowship with you, our living God. And Lord, we know that it's for our own good. You know our proclivities. You know the times that we run from the deep work that you want to do. But I pray that you'd give us courage because it is in your fellowship that we find our greatest strength and satisfaction of the soul and endurance. And we find deliverance. We thank you. Even now. For what you're doing. And what you're going to do. In the name of Christ. Together we say. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. You may need prayer this morning. Well, we're in church. Maybe there's something you've been praying about. You've been waiting on God. Sometimes it's good to have the body of a church... Just say, remember me. Yeah, you get weary. Some of you need to make a realignments. Your desires with God's. 
Some of you need to simply just say, you know, I want to ask God. I want Jesus to come here in the deepest part of my need. And I've been asking here, but God's wanting to go down here in my heart. What, what would happen if, if, if you in, invited Jesus into that longing, that desire, that need? And just say, God, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to come here and I want you to be my satisfaction, not what I think I need. So I'm, I'm yielding the need to you. And I'm asking you to work in the need the way you want it to work and not the way I think. Jesus will meet you. I am so confident of that. He will meet you. And it'll be real. It'll be the real deal. Because he meets us there. He loves us. What, what if you invited Jesus? What, what if you invited him? Seriously. Into this, the things that you find frustrating? In your fears? I just, I just believe he meets us there. Things that we struggle with are, are really no struggles for Him. And they're not. I, he, he just wants to be your closest, dearest, confidant, friend, Savior. You can give Him your tears. Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. And you are committed to loving us and caring for us. And I pray today that there would be a renewed sense of courage, hope, strength, spiritually, mentally and emotionally. You're very life. Poured in us and through us like the vine to the branches. Thank you for teaching us how to pray. Very simply. And I pray that you would hear our prayer coming to you this morning, not only individually, but corporately as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. All God's people together say, Amen.